We have all experienced moments in our journey of faith that seemed as if we're on a roller coaster. Now, some love roller coasters and they feel like they're exciting and thrilling, but for others, it scares the life out of you and maybe even gets you sick. Roller coasters might be a great part of an amusement park experience, but they shouldn't be a part of our daily life. I'm your host, Roger Nelms, and over the past nearly 30 years of ministry, I've witnessed so many struggle through roller coaster Christianity because of a lack of spiritual disciplines. Hey, listen, I've even experienced this cycle myself, so you're not alone. This podcast is for Christians who want to get off the up and down cycle of passive faith and learn how to live the abundant life that God intended. So twice a month, we're going to discuss biblical truth and action steps that will put you in the driver's seat of your spiritual development and also empower you to maintain an upward growing faith that not only benefits you, but makes an impact in the world around you. You're listening to The 12, building habits that lead to spiritual maturity. Stick around. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, leave comments, share it with your friends, and even leave us a review. Enjoy the show. My wife and I were so privileged to walk alongside of this young couple recently as they prepared to get married. And we walked them through this material called SIMBUS. It stands for Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. It's by Dr. Les and Leslie Perot. Just a small little plug for them. Um, but it was so great walking them in that preparation for marriage. And uh, so this past Saturday was the wedding. And uh, as we were getting ready, Uh, You know, I was putting on my suit and my wife was already in her new dress she bought and we were all excited. And I was thinking about the things I was going to say at the ceremony and I just kind of stopped for a minute to pray for them. And, you know, we do so much to get ready for that day, uh, for especially a big day like that. You know, you think about the wedding planner, the flowers, the food, the DJ that's going to rock the place at the end and uh, the colors you're going to choose. The dress, of course, itself is the big thing. And And you may ask, like, why is all the fuss? I mean, we make such a big deal, plan for months for a 30-minute event. (laughs) But it's because it's a big day. It's one of the most important days of our lives. And the bigger the day, the more we do to get ready. And I want to chat for you for a few minutes about a familiar story to most of us. And it's not really about one particular big day, but really like a bunch of kind of big days that all led up to this huge moment for Israel and especially for Joshua. And so I want us to see the importance of getting ready. And I'm going to read a portion of scripture from Deuteronomy 34 and then move right into Joshua. So it says, starting 34 verse 7, it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Man, I hope I live that old. Uh, Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. It's important to know that there's a time when weeping and mourning needs to end. Verse 9, now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all the officials, and to the whole land. And then verse 12, I love this verse. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. 
And then we continue Joshua 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And I challenge you, if you're a person that highlights or underlines your Bible, even if you're using the Bible app, I would challenge you to underline that those two words, get ready. Because it's one thing to be a fan, you know, Joshua wasn't just a, a fanboy of Moses, you know, celebrating him and, and you know, uh, posting all kind of stuff on social media about him. Well, of course, he didn't have social media then, but he wasn't just a fanboy. He was a follower of this great, amazing leader. He was learning from him. He was serving. He was doing things right alongside of Moses. And in fact, it says he was Moses' aide. But now Moses is dead, and now it's time for Joshua to step out. God's telling him, get ready. It's your turn to lead. And he was telling me, not just for you, but man, a big day is here for not just you, but for all the people of Israel. And in order for Joshua to get ready, I think there's two main things that he had to prepare for, get ready for. And the first, Joshua had to remember in order to get ready. He had to remember what he learned from his predecessor. Before Moses was his great leader, we know that he had a very humble beginning, Remember, he was destined to be killed as a baby, uh, but his mom put him in a, a little basket and sent him down the Nile River, and he was rescued and raised in the palace. Uh, and then he, you know, kind of stepped ahead of God. He saw the uh, the enslavement and the and the torment that his Hebrew brothers and sisters were under, and he at one point killed an Egyptian that was abusing a Hebrew. And so then he didn't want to get caught and killed himself. So he ran for his life and he became the shepherd out in the middle of the wilderness. And when finally God gave him this supernatural calling and reminder of his calling, he had this burning bush experience, literally. And uh, but yet at that moment, he gave God excuse after excuse of why he was the wrong choice to rescue Israel from Pharaoh and from all and from the Egyptians. Now, again, we know that Moses had an unprecedented legacy because actions speak louder than words, and especially when those words, those actions are backed and empowered by God himself. But we know he had a humble beginning. Moses wasn't perfect, but he was persistent. Moses wasn't always confident, but he was always compassionate. Moses may not have been a man full of faith at the beginning, but he was always faithful. And God always provided. Moses allowed God to use his disabled tongue to speak life and freedom and actually to speak to the most powerful man on the earth at that time to get him to free the, the, uh, the children of Israel. But he also allowed him to use that simple shepherd's staff to perform the miraculous. Moses led them through the wilderness. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He basically established their way of life as he was led by God. And that way of life went on for generation after generation after generation after generation. It's remembering, though, that makes it important for Joshua. Because even as Moses learned, I think that Joshua needed to learn. And, and I think he had to reflect on that remembrance. And so here's a few questions I think we can ask in that remembering. Number one, where do I feel disabled? Like Moses felt disabled. Where do I feel disabled that I need to surrender to God? And then secondly, what simple things are in my hands 
that God can use for the supernatural. I may not have a shepherd's staff because I'm not a shepherd, but what things are in my hands that God can use for the supernatural if I will lay it down in front of him. You know, I walked through this experience with uh, several guys this past semester uh, in our connect groups at church, and we had this small group going through Craig Eschel's book called uh, Kazon, and that's simply Kazon is a Hebrew uh, word meaning a dream, a revelation, a vision, and the premise of the book is really just to let us know that we are all born with our own Kazon, our own uh, God-given vision And this vision for life is usually kind of hidden, though, under the surface of three often overlooked areas of our life. It's in core values, our past experiences, and our spiritual gifts. And I challenge you, look at that book and and, uh, learn for yourself those things that God's already put in you. Uh, And really, it forces us to ask the question, are you living someone else's dream for your life? Or maybe even no dream at all. And I think that's what Joshua had to face at this moment. And maybe you need a burning bush experience. And I know that some of us would love that. It would be so cool if, you know, all of a sudden the bush in my front yard just spontaneously combusted without burning up. And, man, that would change everything. I'd know exactly what God wants. Well, I don't know if that would actually be true, even if we had that experience, because Moses had it, and he still gave God excuses. In fact, I would venture to say that you've probably had your own moments, maybe not a burning bush, but moments where God spoke, where he showed his glory, where he revealed his plan. He proved his faithfulness, and yet like Moses, we've given our excuses, we've doubted, we feared, and maybe even walked away because we didn't think we could do it. So go back and read Exodus chapter 3 and 4 and then ask yourself those questions again. Where do I feel disabled or inadequate? What are the things that hold me back that I know I need to surrender to God? And then secondly, what in my hands, what's in my hands that God can use for his glory? Those simple things that he can use for the supernatural. But then we see Joshua comes into the picture here. I mean, not that he wasn't already there, but he comes to the forefront of the storyline And we know he was Moses' successor. He was a man with a spirit of wisdom. We just read that. Uh, And so now Moses is buried, and and they just get done mourning his loss for 30 days. Now, I know losing a loved one takes a while to mourn, to grieve, to go through that process. I went through that when I lost my dad a few years ago. It was a unique experience. It was the first time for me. In fact, I have two friends uh, that were in that men's group with me. One just lost his father this week, and another lost her mother-in-law. And uh, it's crazy going through that mourning process. I can't imagine the emotion that even Joshua was feeling. His mentor is dead. They're on the fringe of the promised land, and he's like, hey, I thought Moses was supposed to do this, and now you want me? So fear and doubt, unanswered questions are creeping in. But God tells him this in verse 2. We just read it. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. See, Moses, this great man who left this tremendous, uh, tremendous legacy is gone. And now, Joshua, you're going to carry the torch. But I want you to notice the tone and remembrance of Moses changed here. He's not being remembered like he was in Deuteronomy when it told of all his exploits and it said how he's nobody has ever been this great of a man and nobody ever will. 
But now it's saying that, nope, it's not about his title and deeds. It's rather based on his heart. And it says, my servant is dead. Speaks of that humble obedience, reminding, taking him back to remember that humble beginning. See, your legacy is not as much about your accomplishments as it is your character. And so here, in order for Joshua to get ready, he had to end his time of mourning and move forward. Moses is dead and gone. He wasn't going to ride on his coattails anymore. It's time to move on, to prepare to cross over, to get ready to take the land that had been promised since the days of Abraham. It's a significant change in leadership and location. Forty years they had been following and being led by one man. Forty years in the wilderness, wandering around, not yet entering the location, the promised land that they knew that they someday would. And I feel like that's also kind of a picture of salvation, too. You know, because before uh, we were following a different leader before God. And that leader, we may say, we, well, I wasn't following Satan. But, hey, when we're following our own ways or the ways of the world, that is Satan. And when we're following the enemy in our selfish ways, and our sinful ways, then we're not living the way uh, that God wants us to, which means we're not living in the blessed land that he has for us. And ultimately, we would not be going to heaven, which is the ultimate location. And so this picture of salvation and, and of revival, even, he comes in and he says, get ready, that speaks of that preparation for yourself and for the people that you lead. Because remember, we have influence. Even, even the, whoever we might be the lowest person of the lowest, which, you know, we don't judge that way. But say, I don't feel like I'm not leading anyone. I'm not in charge of anything, not at work, not, at, uh, uh, not in my neighborhood. I have no position, but yet I still have people that I influence every day. People I see at the store, people maybe in my neighborhood. I may not see that I'm leading them, but I am. My family in particular, too, my kids saying, get ready you and the people that you lead. And it's great to celebrate all that God's done and all the people he's used in our lives and and in the lives of others. And at times it's even necessary to mourn because perhaps even you have a dream that's died or or a goal that's been missed or an expectation uh, expectation that uh, went unmet. We have those times in life. In fact, we all could probably point to times where that's happened in our life. There's a time when we need to pick up and move on, though. In fact, in Psalm 30, verse 5, David says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. He is being prepared for that. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 uh, continues uh, uh, with this theme, and it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not destroyed, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. See, there is a time to mourn a loss or to mourn a promise or a dream or, or a goal that's been missed, but there's also a time to get up and reclaim that victory because He was telling Joshua, hey, I'm about to give you the promise that you've been waiting for. You're about to get the victory that Moses didn't get. It's great to remember. We need to remember, but then we need to move forward. And this is how we get ready for what's next. And so as you continue even reading the story in in Joshua, you'll discover that moving forward in victory can only be accomplished through obedience. And God reminds him about the law that he gave to Moses. And he said, keep the law. He speaks of having that godly lifestyle. 
And then he said, cross the Jordan. Trust me that I'm going to do for you exactly what I did for Moses. And then he, as they get across the water, they camp and, and God tells them, now it's time to circumcise all the men. Shows that sacrificially being set apart, marked by God, physically and spiritually. And then he says, now march around the walls. And I know at first glance he was probably thinking, but God, how are we going to destroy a city with these big walls if we don't have swords and spears and bows and arrows? But he was trying to let them know that, hey, worship is your weapon of warfare. I'm going to win the battle. It's not going to be you. See, it's in surrender that our victory is secured. So let me ask, ask you, is there any area of your life where you need to dry your eyes, stop mourning, and prepare to cross over to your victory, to get ready for what's next? To not just It's not just for you, but it's for all these people. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our doubt and our lack of faith. Help us to overcome our excuses. We surrender our weaknesses to you, and we give you permission to use the everyday things of our life, just like you did with that shepherd's staff in the hands of Moses. Use those simple things as tools for your glory. We remember, we celebrate all the things that you've already done in our life. Help us to shift our focus and stop mourning over dead dreams, over our missed goals or our unmet expectations. Please, God, increase our faith. Increase our faith in the name of Jesus. Increase our faith in what still lies in front of us. Help us to get ready, to be courageous, and to move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The 12. I hope that your faith has been challenged and your heart has been encouraged. If you haven't already, click the follow button so that you'll get updated when we release new free material every two weeks. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it on your social media and invite others to listen as well.